Hello and welcome to our podcast, Within the Mist, a hidden place where we walk into the dark and clouded unknown. I am your howling host, Gary, here to tell you about the likes of cryptids, ghosts, and other mysteries. I am joined by my wife and co-host, Goldie Ann. Hello, Goldie Ann. Hi, Gary. How are you today? I'm okay. Good. You ready for it? Yeah. No. Ready for what? Wait. Ready for what? Goldie Ann, do you know... When do cattle monsters howl? Wait, what's a cattle monster? How would I know what a cattle monster is and what time they howl if I don't even know what a cattle monster is? Is that a monster in a cattle field? (gasps) The cattle is a monster. I don't like cows. Don't hurt yourself. Okay. They howl during a bull moon. Oh, my God. That was a lot of energy for a simple joke. I just forget how simple your jokes really are. Well, thank you. I'm a simple man. (laughs) But today's episode involves chilling stories about a monster that roams the woods of Arkansas and surrounding states. These may be upsetting to some of our listeners. We are storytellers who have gathered information on some of our favorite mysteries to bring to you. We don't attempt to scare our listeners on purpose. Well, maybe just a little. Listener discretion is always advised. The primary source of information about today's episodes include books, Tales of the Ozark Howler by Sal Ashton and Hawthorne Cornus, the other book, The Ozark Howler by Ralph Toller, and Ozark Howler Encounters, Glancing Blows with the Horned Monster of Southern Folklore by Peregrine Wood. All of these will have links in the show notes. The locals in southern Missouri, northern Arkansas, Oklahoma, and Texas share lore about a mysterious creature lurking deep in the woods. The elders have retold the legends of this mysterious creature. People who claim to have seen it describe a giant, furry beast that leaves behind enormous footprints and strange shrieks echoing through the forest. The beast is large and intimidating, standing as large as a bear, but with the agility of a leopard. It has a thick, black, or dark-colored body with shaggy, matted fur. Its stocky legs move with agility and stealth. Crowned atop its head are a pair of prominent, curled horns. The howl of the creature is unnerving and captivating like a haunting combination of a human and an animal's cry, reverberating through the night air like a siren. It starts with a deep guttural growl echoing through the forest like thunder. It then rises into a high-pitched eerie wail that is almost human-like. It can be heard unearthly and chilling for miles, sending shivers through the bones of anyone who listens. A wave of dread washes over them as they peered out into the darkness, unsure of where the terrible sound was coming from. Today, join us as we travel within the mist to discover the Ozark Howler. Oh, so like a monkey. You're thinking of a howler monkey? Yeah. Okay. This is generally a four-footed animal. And it's in the Americas, which doesn't have any monkeys. Oh. We have monkeys at Silver Springs. 
Those are escaped monkeys. Oh, so were you. Thanks. But today we're going to talk about an entirely different type of creature. Okay. But first, a word from our sponsor. Welcome back. Chapter 1. The Native American Legends. Stories of the strange creature called the Ozark Howler all originate from the same place, the dense forests of the Ozarks. This area is a complete network of plateaus and rugged mountain ranges spanning four states spread out in a stunning landscape of deep valleys, towering cliffs, and dense pine forests. This is a wild land. The Ozark Mountains spread from Highway 40 in Arkansas to Interstate 70 in Missouri. The Ozark region has abundant sparkling springs, waterfalls, lakes, caves, caverns, and nightmarish folklore. People from the region have long whispered tales of a mysterious creature living deep in the dark woods. They've called it a slew of names. The Ozark Howler, the Wowzer, the Wampus Cat, Wampus Cat, Booger Cat, and Bear Cat. So is that like the Barden Booger? No, the Barden Booger is a man-like Sasquatch-type creature. This is a cat-like creature. Okay. So if, I guess if the Barden Booger had a pet, maybe he <laughs> would have a Booger Cat. That would be awesome. <laughs> but whatever they call it, one thing is for sure, this is no ordinary monster. I love Native American stories. Well, this one, this one is told by the Native elders who would gather around campfires, brimming with fear and awe as they recounted ancient stories of hunting saber-toothed tigers that once roamed their land. They pointed to the night skies, their eyes glinting with reverence as they described how long ago the giant beasts had disappeared from the earth. Cryptozoologists have recently suggested that the Ozark Howler may have been some surviving population of creodent species. The large mammalian carnivores that roamed the northern hemisphere in the tertiary period. These were the apex predators of their time with powerful jaws and sharp claws capable of taking down even the largest of prey. Most of the Native American legends match these creatures, but the two never really existed at the same time. Hmm. How can you see a creature that the fossil record shows as having gone extinct some 9 to 20 million years ago, let alone have stories of hunts against them? Could an evolved descendant have made its home in the Ozarks amongst the Native American tribes? Does the Megalodon still swim in the ocean? No. Yes. <laughs> Don't you hurt my vision? Well, some other Native American accounts suggest that the Ozark cryptid serves as a protector of the forest or a messenger from the spirit world rather than an actual creature. The ancient Ojibwa and Creed tribes living around the Great Lakes would tell tales of a mysterious creature that they called Misha Pishu, lurking in the water's depths. Old drawings depicting the creature described it as having an elongated body, charismatic eyes, and razor-sharp claws that hinted at its powers. 
Some stories say that it had the body of a mountain lion. According to the stories, Misha Pishu, also known as the underwater panther, was said to possess copper horns and a feline face. Its eyes seem to look into your soul, evaluating your deeds. Depending on how it perceived you, this spiritual panther could reward or punish you by gifting copper from its horns or granting safe travels over water. If it was displeased by what it saw, it would take your soul to the land of the dead. Harsh. Native American legends usually are. True. As more and more settlers came to the area and were exposed to the Native American legends, they began to recognize the similarity to those legends from their homeland that they had left behind. Chapter 2 Susith and the English Hellhound Folklorists have long debated the similarities between the Howler and the British Dark Dog of Death widely recognized as either the Black Shuck or a Hellhound. Hellhounds. Here, puppy, puppy, puppy. No puppy, puppy, puppy. Oh, yeah. Comparisons are drawn to its large, imposing form, blood-red eyes, loud, reverberating howl, and the origins in mythology as a creature bringing deathly omens very similar to how the Ozark Howler was described by the Native Americans. I think if I was to have a spirit animal as a pet, it would probably be a hellhound. Can't you just have a fluffy dog? I have a fluffy dog. Then you're good. From the mid to late 1800s, the Ozarks Plateau was alive with a blend of customs and languages as settlers from Scotland, Ireland, Wales, and England all arrived. They brought their stories, superstitions, and traditions. One such story was that of the Sioux Sith. The old tales told of a massive black spectral hound called the Sioux Sith. It was said to appear at night on lonely roads and crossroads, its deep howl signaling death's impending arrival. For centuries, settlers living in the Scottish Highlands feared this creature, believing it would come to take them away to the afterlife. In the New World, these settlers' worst fears appeared to have followed them across the oceans with the same tidings of death. The Sioux Sith is a menacing creature with a powerful muscular body that towers over an average-sized man. It, too, has fur that is thick and messy, sometimes colored dark green, though occasionally gray. Its eyes are a piercing red like a raging fire, and it has an otherworldly presence that brings fear to anyone who sees it. According to legend, the creature could hunt silently, but occasionally let out three terrifying bays and only three. These howls are deep and low, cutting through the night like a knife. They echo across the land, reverberating off the hills and the valleys of the Ozarks, until they seem to come from everywhere at once. For those unlucky enough to hear it, the clock is ticking to find shelter before it reaches the third cry, or they risk succumbing to an overwhelming fear or dread that would render them motionless and ultimately lead 
to their demise. That's awesome. Sorry. So a creature that kills you with three howls is awesome. <laughs> Sounds awesome. I'm a very powerful little doggy. Pretty nasty little howl. <laughs> Chapter 3, Pioneer Tales. Many tales have been passed down since the days of the early pioneers told over campfires deep within the Ozark Forest. An example of one happens during the late fall and the chilly air has descended upon the Ozarks. The young trappers were excited and exhausted from a long day searching for food and pelts in the woods. Still, their relief at seeing their camp on the horizon dissipates quickly when an unsettling cry reverberates through the trees. Each man readied himself to fight whatever it is that made a noise, as they whispered if it could be a woman, or a child in distress, or just an injured animal. Soon enough, the noise ceased, and it was time for them to gather around the fire and eat dinner. The horrific shrieks caused an eerie hush to fall on the forest. It was as if every living creature had been struck dumb by the sudden outburst. Eventually, someone got nervous enough to reach for their gun, and the others followed suit. In tacit unity, they began slowly inching towards the trees. As they wandered through the forest beneath the trees, the sound of the creature's cry could still be heard again, and they came face to face with a fierce animal. In front of them, slinking around, was a large black creature. The shape of its snout resembled a wolf or a dog, yet its body and movements were more like that of a cat. Its head had the glowing red eyes and two large horns, making it appear demonic and terrifying. Turning towards their camp, the group fled as the beast returned and melted back into the woods never to be seen or heard from again, at least not by this group. Still feeling brave over there? Oh, yeah. What, what year was that? Uh, it was in the early 1800s. Okay. Well, if that didn't scare you, then how about this? There's another interesting pioneer reference is in Laura Ingall Wilder's autobiography, Little House in the Big Woods. Are you familiar with those collection of books? No. You've never read Little House on the Prairie? No. It's not horror. Why would I read it? I've been reading it since I was little. My well, first book was Stephen King's Pet Cemetery when I was like eight years old. Sorry. Well, guess what, Goldian? What? You are wrong. Because Little House in the Big Woods does have horror. No, I'm sorry. Because Laura recounts tales of her family's struggles as pioneers of the Wisconsin frontier during the late 1800s. She describes the daily chores and hard work they endured to build a cabin in the woods. <laughs> cabin in the woods! <laughs> and carve out a life in the seemingly endless wilderness. Her grandfather even had told her a tale of a monstrous pitch-black cat creature that pursued him and his horse deep into the woods. It had yellow eyes, sharp claws, and thick fur that stood on end. He described how it would bound from tree limb to tree limb faster than his horse could gallop. Then it leaped overhead and landed in front of him with a thunderous roar, making her grandfather's horse rear up in fear. He was barely able to gallop away from the beast. 
Could this have been the Ozark Howler? Okay, question. Mm. Isn't Little House on the Prairie fiction? No, it's autobiographical. What? Yes. You were not aware of that? No. Yeah, Laura Ingalls Wilder, uh, when she grew up, decided to write books about her childhood. And this became The Little House on the Prairie, and then it expanded and expanded, and she basically told her family's whole history. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Huh. I didn't know you weren't aware of that. That's like I said, I don't watch that kind of stuff. Yes, because you're Pet cemetery and, yeah, your twisted childhood. <laughs> you, you, you knew that when you married me. I didn't know that, but I did have a strong hint. All you right. read my dating profile. <laughs> <laughs> Chapter four, Daniel Boone. Didn't read that either. Well, I guess I did in school. So you do know who Daniel Boone is? Yes. Okay. I did go to school. And not some pet cemetery school or... No, my parents wouldn't let me go. Parents made me go to real school. Well, just to make sure you have all the details, Goldie Ann. Okay. Daniel Boone was an American pioneer and frontiersman whose exploit made him one of the first folk heroes of the United States. He became famous for exploring and settling Kentucky beyond the 13 colonies' western borders. In 1775, Boone blazed the Wilderness Road through the Cumberland Gap and into Kentucky. He founded Boonesboro, one of the first English-speaking settlements west of the Appalachian Mountains. And by the end of the 18th century, more than 200,000 people had entered Kentucky by following the route that he marked. One of the most famous encounters with an Ozark Howler involved this renowned pioneer. I missed that one in class. That's why I'm bringing it up here, because the schools kind of left out some important details. Okay. Daniel Boone was a hardened explorer and woodsman, but even he was frightened after encountering what he named the Howler. After a successful hunting trip near Cuba, Missouri in 1810, Boone wrote a letter to his sister-in-law in Kentucky describing in chilling detail the mysterious creature that crossed his path on a fateful day. He was accompanied by five other men, each armed with weapons and ready for the hunt along the Red River in Kentucky. They each gathered their packs and supplies around the campfires the next morning as the sun began to peak. Soon, each hunter spoke softly of how they intended to spend their days hunting, then disappeared into the morning light one by one with only the rustle of leaves in their wake. In the afternoon, Daniel exhaled softly and lowered his gun, a smile of satisfaction on his face as he surveyed three fallen deer. He had a very good morning of hunting. The sun was beginning to the sun was beginning to set as the exhausted pioneer made his way back to camp. He had a heavy load of fresh meat balanced atop his shoulders, and the dangerous terrain slowed his progress. As sweat beaded on his forehead, he stared determinately ahead, one foot in front of the other. He stopped in his tracks as he heard a branch snap and leaves rustle ahead of him. He squinted into the shadows but saw nothing, his heart racing. The low grunts became louder and faster 
surrounding the hunter in a cacophony of eerie noises. He could feel that whatever beast was making these mysterious noises was getting closer and closer with each passing moment. Daniel trudged through the dense forest, his eyes scanning for any sign of a path. He scrambled up a rocky incline, panting as he reached the top. In the distance, he could see the smoke rising from the campfire and quickened his pace. He reached a small creek named Lobergrund and stopped abruptly. His gaze was met by the unblinking yellow eyes of a giant creature that stepped into his path ahead of him. Towering almost seven feet tall, its long fur blended seamlessly with the dusky twilight and it emitted a horrendous odor. The beast's howl was loud and intimidating, echoing through the trees like a clap of thunder. It was a low guttural sound that spoke of power and strength. Daniel felt his blood run cold as he heard it. The creature's steps towards him were heavy and purposeful, each one making the earth tremble beneath his feet. The noise increased as it advanced towards him, enveloping him in a wall of sound he could not escape. Daniel aimed with his rifle. His hands showed no sign of shaking from the anticipation. He pulled the trigger and felt the gun's kick as it roared to life. The monster dropped to its knees, its body shuddering before crashing onto the ground in a heap. Rude. Its vinyl shriek echoed through the air hauntingly similar to a human's cry of anguish. Poor baby. Poor baby. It was about to attack Daniel Boone. Oh, American wow. hero. Well, that doesn't... Oh, wow. Poor baby. <sighs> Anyways, the pioneer took a cautious step forward, peering at the figure of the beast. Its dull eyes were frozen in a menacing stare and his fur was matted and caked with mud. Closer inspection revealed the sharp features of a wolf's snout and the long claws that could easily rip through flesh. With each hesitant breath, he was met with the all too familiar scent of death. No puppy, puppy, puppy. That will be my last dying word. Um, yes, it will. It'll probably be my last dying words. <laughs> Daniel Boone glanced warily over his shoulder as he sidestepped around the fallen creature, its hide darkening in the evening sun. He decided to quicken his pace, gripping his rifle firmly in case of further danger. His tent was waiting somewhere far off in the darkness and he had to reach it before the sun fell utterly and he was alone with any of these other creatures. He did intend to return with the other hunting companions the following day and retrieve the body to display at the settlement. Unfortunately, he was never able to relocate the body. So if even a famous frontiersman like Daniel Boone tells of an Ozark howler, what more evidence do you need to prove that it exists? But he couldn't find it when he, re when he went back to it. Come on. Okay. Well, perhaps that could be tied to a secret organization. Oh, I was probably the head founder of that one. 
Okay. Savethepuppies.org. Well, this is during the late 1800s, so let's go with Chapter 5, The Concatenated Order of the Hoo-Hoo. Yeah, I would have never named it that. I can promise you that. Hoo-Hoo. Wow. Oh, God. If there is the possibility of the existence of such a fantastic creature, why has it been so difficult to find? The answer may partly be due to an organization that has protected its home grounds. In 1892, in Gurdon, Arkansas, there was a strange gathering taking place. An eclectic mix of lumberjacks, magazine editors, and mill owners all met secretly to form the concatenated order of the hoo-hoo. <laughs> now, before you get too excited, Goldian, <laughs> the term hoo-hoo was synonymous with loggers of that time. So a hoo-hoo is another way of saying a lumberjack. <laughs> That's even worse. All I can see is Monty Python's lumberjack. Lumberjack. Okay. I thought this was supposed to be scary. Well, parts of it are scary. I don't know, but I'm getting the dog excited. She doesn't know what we're laughing at, but she's happy. Hi, puppy. As I attempt to continue on, the membership base of this order was primarily involved in the forest industries. With wooden mugs filled to the brim with beer, they raised their glasses and cheered as they declared themselves members of this very exclusive club. The mission of their order was to help keep forests intact throughout the United States. At the time, there was a growing sentiment that the country was growing too swiftly and the land's beauty was being destroyed before future generations could enjoy them. So this order worked to stop industrial progress and preserve the environment. They boasted none other than Presidents Theodore Roosevelt and Warren Harding as members. They were you hoo hoos Yes, they were hoo-hoos. Oh. Rumors the Grinch was there too. No, there was no Grinch in the hoo-hoo order. Ooh. Rumors swirled that the Order knew about the mysterious Howler and wanted to protect it. Their logo was a sleek black cat with piercing yellow eyes. The same description of the Howler that many people gave. They're just missing the horns. That seems to be the only detail that was missing. As an avid outdoors lover, Theodore Roosevelt was believed to be aware of the Howler and a passionate admirer of the creature. When he became president, he made it his mission to protect thousands of acres of land. Save the puppies! Well, he was saving the trees, and in doing so, saved the puppies. He designated this land as the Ozark National Forest, a known habitat for the elusive beast. People could question his intent when dedicating so much ground to an animal some considered mythical and others deemed dangerous. Chapter 6, The Modern Sightings. So we're going to go from the hoo-hoos to the yahoos. Okay. Perhaps the creature once roamed the woods of the Ozarks during the pioneers' days, but does it still exist? Actually, since 2000, the howler has been spotted several times. 
One case, the Anderson family of the Boston Mountains of the Crawford County had heard strange howls echoing through their woods for weeks. After a few mornings when they found evidence that something big had been lurking on their property, they set out trail cameras to try and capture images of the creature. They succeeded. Awesome. Local authorities even looked at the pictures and speculated that the creature could have been a cougar, making it the first recorded sighting of such an animal in decades. It seemed unlikely that a cougar was roaming in the area since the species could only survive in the state with a healthy breeding number. Authorities nodded in agreement that individual big cats could exist in the mountains, but there wasn't enough cougars in the area to sustain a population. Footprints and scat were also discovered deep in the forest, so the authorities interviewed residents and uncovered stories of exotic pet owners by people only to be released into the wild. Could these animals have been responsible for some of the sightings? Like, what kind of exotic animal could have been released to have that big of a sighting? A cougar? Bobcats? Oh. I mean, there's arguments for the massive cat-like sightings of the howler being misidentified cats, like the cougar, lynx, bobcat. The family could have caught one of these on a trail camp supporting their hypothesis. Ah. Well, damn. Okay. Continuing on, the Arkansas Game and Fish Commission received a phone call in the fall of 2014 from an inhabitant of Benton County, Arkansas. This person reported hearing a long, low howl in the evening woods that had never been heard before in the region. They compared the sound to the descriptions of the Ozark howl. So hopefully they didn't hear three of them. Yeah. Well, guess not because they told the story. In October of 2014, a recorded emergency call received by the commission indicated that a motorist nearly collided with an unidentified creature at 9.45 at night. The 911 call crackled urgently but described a collision almost avoided between a motorist and the animal on Pump Station Road. He said that the animal was a gray, bear-sized, and running at high speed. This prompted the Arkansas Game and Fish Commission to dispatch armed officers to the area in order to investigate. Here has been the latest and most popular story going on about the Ozark modernly. It occurred in December of 2015. The Arkansas television station 40-29 News aired a segment about a viewer who claimed to have captured pictures of a mysterious creature. Viewers speculated that these photos were of the elusive creature famously rumored to inhabit the region. The individual, John Myers, said he stepped from his car onto the Yellow Rock Trail. He was eager to take in the views of Devil's Den and as he began to snap photos of the stunning scenery, he saw a strange horned creature and took pictures along the Yellow Rock Trail at Devil's Den. I've been to Devil's Den. Where is that? It's in Arkansas. I don't have an exact way to describe it since I'm not that familiar with the region myself. The local TV station contacted the Arkansas Game and Fish Commission to try and confirm the reports of the bees seen roaming in the area. 
the commission said that they had not yet received first-hand accounts and they asked the staff to keep an eye out and report any sightings. The viewer who sent them the photos of the mysterious creature swore up and down that they hadn't been tampered with and they had not done any photoshopping. But the game commission needed to be more positive. An official spokesman dismissed the images as a hoax, claiming that the station had been duped by someone playing a prank. Rude. This is the picture that they had been sent. I will post this in the show notes of what this person was claiming was a Ozark Howler. Uh, well, looks a little photoshopped to me. <laughs> yeah, it, most people it's a didn't. very poor Photoshop. Yeah, most people didn't buy it. The internet had become accessible to all, and in the early 2000s, cryptozoologists started receiving multiple messages from anonymous emails claiming evidence of grainy photos, blurry videos, and firsthand accounts of sightings of the elusive howler. Lauren Coleman and Chad Armand, the renowned cryptozoologists, dug deeper into the source of these emails. And after an investigation, they uncovered that the identity of the perpetrator of all the emails was one person, a University of Arkansas student who was attempting to demonstrate how easy it was to fool the cryptid research community. You can't fool Lauren Coleman. <laughs> he definitely caught this person. Yeah, that's right. So over the years, hundreds of sightings and stories have circulated about the Ozark Howler. And despite abundant anecdotal evidence, most cryptozoologists have dismissed it as an urban legend. So, Goldie what are your thoughts about the Ozark Howler? Here, puppy, 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 puppy. Oh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's like Bigfoot, you know? Well, like you said, it's kind of Bigfoot's pet cat. Yeah. No, I said it was the Barton Booger's pet cat. The Barton Booger is a Bigfoot equivalent. Yeah, well, still. He's a little bit cuter. Okay. Well, for years, wildlife experts and amateur naturalists have combed the forests of Ozarks in search of the elusive Ozark howler. Unfortunately, their efforts have been hampered by the hoaxes or discredited sightings, leaving researchers with a confusing jumble of contradictory reports. There are those who are determined to prove the creature's existence, and they brace for the possibility that they may be a sign of coming doom. Ooh, well, like Mothman? Well, remember, the stories all tie with the hellhounds and black shucks or with the underwater panther of the Native Americans. Right. So while some remain hopeful, their trepidation is palpable as they watch and wait for what might appear next. Discovering one may be an invitation for the Ozark Howler to transport their souls to the land of the dead. The dead. So, should you wander the forests of the Ozarks, listen for the howl of something large with dark fur and curling horns. You may discover the Ozark Howler. Oh, oh I'm sorry. Before we go, I want to remind everyone that we are on social media and love to hear your stories and opinions about the Ozark Howler. I'm getting the dog excited again with my hoo-hoo. <laughs> she likes it. Do you believe a cat bear-like creature still lives in the Ozark Mountains? 
You can reach us on our Facebook page, Within the Mist Podcast. We are also on Instagram. Plus, we have an email at the Within the Mist Podcast at gmail.com. For any of you who would like to share, we hope you enjoyed our story of the Ozark Howler, and we'll come again for another episode. Until then, remain constantly curious, and goodbye. All right, Penny, tell everybody bye. Speak. Don't bye. Say woof. Don't bye. Oh my God, she's clawing me to death. She's howling. Ah! Bye, guys. <laughs>